The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Now, as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. I'll set up here. Well, good morning, everybody. So usually I would just innocently thank uh, pastors Jonathan and Bill for the opportunity to give this sermon, and I do. I thank them, um, and I'm just glad I'm well enough to help, and I want to tell you that um, they're both feeling better. Kathy had mentioned that they have COVID. We've heard that in our uh, communications, and they're both feeling better. They just need to wait the right number of days in order to come back to work. Um, I'm feeling a lot better, too, uh, in recovering from my pneumonia, but I'm still a little bit short of breath, and my voice can be a little iffy, so just bear with me. And we'll dig into God's word together here. So now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, in our gospel lesson, Martha feels put upon because... She's doing all the work that is culturally expected for a first-century hostess when a celebrity rabbi, by this time he's quite well-known, comes to her house for a visit. Her sister Mary is enwrapped with Jesus, and he fo she focuses on her guest rather than on helping, and it makes Martha angry. <clears throat> I can relate. Has something similar happened to you? Like, as kids, we're keenly aware of the chore list and keep meticulous track of what sibling has done what to make sure that I'm not doing more than, than uh, my brother, that they're doing the work that they're supposed to do because I know I'm doing the work I'm supposed to do. Or, I'm sure this never happens, but one partner decides to binge Netflix while the other goes out and spends all day doing yard work. Maybe like our gospel, company's coming, and one spouse needs a perfect-looking house and yard and maybe even a perfect spread of food and drink, and um, the other spouse is just happy for the company to come. So the frustrated spouse is the one that is, um, you know, doing all this work, and the happy spouse, because... The spouse doing all the work is decidedly not happy at this point. Um, we'll start listing on their fingers. I've mowed the lawn. I've cleaned the bathroom. I've hidden all the clutter in the bedroom. I've vacuumed. I've dusted. I've mopped the kitchen floor. Blah, blah, blah. I've done all of this work. And here you are, happily making a playlist of our guest's favorite music. 
Well, hopefully this doesn't sound familiar to your perfectly equal job-sharing relationships, but I have a feeling it might to many of us. So that about perfectly sums up Martha's feelings in these four verses of this short gospel story. We can feel Martha's frustration because Luke's sparse words are vivid and to the point. I guess I can take this off for the, maybe you can hear me better if I do this. Vivid and to the point. She was distracted by her many tasks. Well, the Greek might more accurately say she was distracted by her service. She was doing what she was culturally required to do at the time, which was prepare the very best that she had for her guest. The ancient Near Eastern custom of hospitality was ancient even in the first century. We can see about 2,000 years earlier in our first reading, Abraham's frantic call to Sarah and his household staff to bake bread and prepare a calf for the guests that literally popped up at his door. He helped quite a bit more than our gospel text said Mary did, and then he ran around to order the preparations, and he served the food that Sarah and his household uh, had prepared, to his guests, prepared for his guests. He served them himself. Well, Abraham had been talking with the Lord God Almighty, and if that wasn't a guest, I don't know who was, at the entrance of his tent when these three strange visitors popped up. Well, who were they? They were for sure important because Abraham was the patriarch of this tribe, and in his high stature, he still ran out to greet them and bowed to the ground before them. Then he served them himself and stood by without joining them in the meal. And he took the position of a servant, leaning against a tree when he did that. Well, theologians debate who these three strange men might have been. Were they angels? Were they the Trinity? I don't know for sure who they were, but they did something that might be a clue as to who they were or to at least who one of them was. One of them said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. Now we know that Sarah was old by this time and way past the time when she'd be able to have a child, and yet she went on to bear Isaac, who would be the father of Israel. Well, what might have been significant about this one man saying, your wife Sarah shall have a son? Well, beyond the obvious miracle of this generic uh, geriatric birth, um, he spoke these words, and they were fulfilled when she bore Isaac. It's really the creation story of God's people, Israel. The Gospel of John begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. We know that John is talking about Jesus, defining him as being with God and being God himself. And all things came into being through him. He's God's spoken creative word, speaking all of creation into being. And now this extraordinary man speaks and Sarah's extraordinary pregnancy happens in due season. 
Is the man who foretold Abraham and Sarah's baby the same pre-incarnate man who visited Martha and Mary as the incarnate Jesus? I don't know, but he spoke and something was created. I'm going to get a quick drink here. Let's get back to Martha and Mary. The one whose voice created the universe came to Martha's house for a visit. It's important to note that Jesus went to Martha's house. She's a woman, Lazarus' sister, yet it's her house. So she must be a woman of some means. They were probably all family friends because in the Gospel of John, we'll hear later that Jesus loves and mourns Lazarus when he raises him from the dead. Mary also loves Jesus not only as a family friend, but because he healed her from demon possession. In what might have been his same version of the story, the gospel writer John tells us that Mary loved Jesus so much that she anointed him with an expensive balm and wiped his feet with her hair and her tears. John differs a little further from Luke by mentioning others present at the meal, but in Luke's telling, in the culture, it was unheard of for a man to be alone with a woman who was not his wife. But he still went to Martha's house. He sat down, and he began to teach Mary alone because Martha was too busy working. We've heard many times in preaching and teaching here at SLC that Mary was taking the position of a rabbinical student, again, unheard of in this culture, but just one example of where Jesus elevates the status of women. Well, what are the four verses of this story really telling us? Jesus tells Martha, presumably in the tone of a close family friend, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Some translations read, that Mary has chosen the better portion. Portion usually means inheritance in the Old Testament. So we might read this as Mary has chosen her inheritance, which will not be taken away from her. Well, there are many stories in Scripture where Jesus puts the law and customs in their place by showing that loving God and loving neighbor as self are more important than Levitical customs and laws. In fact, each of the Ten Commandments, the original law, can be mapped to these two greatest commandments, love God and neighbor. And certainly Martha is loving her neighbor and working so hard to serve Jesus. But is she really? Is she focused on the work of serving him? But she's not doing it joyfully. She's resentful that she has to do all the work fuming rather than enjoying her guest. Jesus redirects her in a loving way to what is really important, the better part or portion which Mary has received. Well, what is this part, portion, or inheritance? I think it's his word. In the beginning was the divine word, and Mary has received it. And what did Jesus do with Martha? Well, because he so kindly redirected her, 
but the text doesn't tell us. I like to think that maybe she laid down her dish towel and sat at his feet and received her inheritance too. But I'd like to read these stories through one more lens, and that is to ask who is really the servant, the giver in these stories, and who is the guest? Abraham's guest speaks words that will bring about his and Sarah's inheritance within the time period that God has promised him, about a year's time. Abraham and Sarah served him bread and veal, but he served them, their promised son. Isaac will be Abraham and Sarah's inheritance, and we hear in the book of Hebrews that their faith in the one who promised them will be counted to them as saving righteousness. So to me, I think that's the real gift that Abraham and Sarah got. And then our thoughts go to Martha, following the example of Abraham and Sarah, who was clearly working so hard to serve Jesus. She felt resentful and put out and was sacrificing time with Jesus to do her work. But Mary received the better part, the better portion, her inheritance. And who did she receive this from? She received it from her guest, Jesus. Jesus is the real servant in this story, serving his redeeming word. And Mary Magdalene will be the first to evangelize the good news of Jesus' resurrection from his death on the cross, the cross where Jesus became the sacrificial servant to us all, serving us our better portion. Your inheritance, my inheritance, our inheritance to eternal life. Thanks be to God.